0: Good morning. Hello. Nice to see you. You're looking very good this morning. Well done. Um, so yeah, I'm Lucy. This is Andy. We have two girls. They're called Macy and Libby. They're now playing at somebody else's house who's fabulous I'm looking after them. And um, there they are. We like to climb mountains, and this is at the top of one of the mountains we made it. Um, You can tell that we're really happy about the fact that we got to the top. You also know that behind this image is a bunch of hours of us going, come on, you can do it, here's another suite. Um, So we kind of like to go on a trek, but, you know, it's not always as shiny as that photo. Um, Macy, who is um, the one in the blue, her full name is Intimacy. Um and Libby's full name is Liberty. And um you might think we're really cruel calling them that. Uh my sister said that to me. Um but actually uh we uh, really believe that God asked us to call them those names. And the reason is because I think your name is really important. And for us, intimacy with Jesus is the first thing first. So our firstborn is called intimacy. as a sign to remind us that actually our intimacy with Jesus is the most important thing. And it's our greatest weapon. Actually, mace comes from the word, uh, the, the weapon mace. And so it's actually our greatest weapon, isn't it? To have uh, the closest relationship that we can with Jesus. And then Libby, Liberty, well, um, the amazing thing about Jesus is he gets us free. It's amazing, isn't it? We can be free. And um, sometimes I do regret calling her freedom because, you know, I should have called her, sit down and be quiet. But she is called Liberty. So that's our family um and uh, so today we want to kind of join in what we've already been talking about here at Vine Life over the weeks which is basically Jesus and we've been on this beautiful journey haven't we in the last couple of weeks Phil shared about how the importance of not just searching the scriptures to find good ways of modes of living but to search the scriptures to find Jesus and the person of Jesus so that we can actually follow him but that we become disciples followers of him and then as Sarah last week was sharing amazingly about how actually as we see who he is that transforms and reflects on who we are and we are changed as we see who he is and today we want to look at what if he is who he says he is so turn to the person next to you and say what if he is the person he says he is What if he is? So we've been journeying with this personally. I mean, I think that is the walk of faith, right? Is that actually we are in this journey of like, is he really who he says he is? Can I really trust him? Is he really going to provide? Is he really my healer? We are on this journey. And and, uh, we had this quite intense season recently. And I remember in February and we were on a family walk on holiday. And uh, I suddenly felt the Holy Spirit just whisper like, but what if I am who I say I am? And I remember being like, "Okay." There's, a, there's an invitation here to step in, to trust you, for you to choose to show me who you really are in my life. And so we're going to look a little bit about that. Okay, imagine this. There is a scene, it's snowing, it's December, it's cold, there's a family of four in a car, four by four, Christmas music is on, and they're all singing really loudly. They're laughing, they're going for a Christmas meal, they're on this windy road that is a little bit icy, they turn around the corner, guess what happens? Guess what happens? What happens next? A crash. Anyone else think crash? Anyone else's brain go to crash? Okay, yeah, good. All right, well, if if you did, then you're like me. It's because we're hardwired, aren't we, for things to go, what if it goes badly? Yeah, what if there is like this family moment my brain didn't really go to and they turned the corner and parked up and had a lovely meal. You know, it's the thing, isn't it, that we our brains jump to what is the fear? What happens if this worst case scenario? And so actually what we need to do is believes is turn around and look at the person of Jesus and say, what if you are who you say you are? What if you're going to show up in my life and change it? So we're going to look a little bit about some scripture that talks about that.
1: Thank you, thank you. Has everyone anyone ever tried to work at height on a swivel chair? Just me. No risk assessment. It just kinda of does this, isn't it? Like, you have to kind of wait for it to get around again. Um, I I feel like that sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, is that it just it's just this kind of constantly moving complicated lots of different like what what book is this what genre is it who wrote it who did they write to what was the cultural you know context in which they were writing and how would they have received this what's the elocutionary elocutionary force i don't know and i feel like i'm just gonna ah you know like this and so i really love it when there's this kind of sense of here is a foundation for you in scripture here is something that really you can really hold on to that is that is firm and um it's probably just me because of the way that my brain works or doesn't work, maybe. but this, what we're going to want look at today is is the most definite it's kind of the truest thing that the Bible says about Yahweh. Um, and it's, it's, this is the moment where he definitively declares, this is who I am. And uh, it's just incredible. Um, I'm on the wrong side. Um, in Exodus 34, uh, verse 6 and 7, um, you just had the golden calf, like, woo! awkward moment um, and um, the, Moses smashed the tablets and gone back up gone, gone back upstairs, no, he went back up the mountain um, to <laughs> I'm going back upstairs <laughs> off he goes, um, no, he went back up the mountain to um, uh, meet with Yahweh again and, and Yahweh, I remember on the, the burning bush he says oh, Moses says, who shall I say is sending me? He says, I am is sending you. This is great because this is the moment where he's like, he takes that name and he just kind of emboldens it he kind of uh, puts it into glorious technicolor because he does not just say my name is Yahweh and that I am or he is he says this is what actually means and he shows Moses um, the kind of uh, the the heartbeat within that and he says this he says, And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, which is Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children's children for the sin of their parents to the third and the fourth generations. I read that, don't be like me, I read that and then read the first bit and you're like, this is great, you know, kind of grace and love and compassion, it's woo, high fives, you know, warm snuggles, it's brilliant Um, and then you get to the second bit, it's like, oh, awkward, punishing children, Um, I'm not not sure how down I am with punishing children, Um, maybe, you know, in terms of like God punishing children, especially for things that they didn't necessarily do, I'm like, this is a bit weird Um, but what's actually happening here is really beautiful He's declaring this expansiveness to his love, that I will maintain love to thousands, this big, undefined number that's like it's infinite, it's expansive. And in the context of that love, he's saying, I won't let sin perpetually damage you. In fact, I'm going to cut it off. I'm going to draw a line. It won't go beyond the third and fourth generation. And so this actually, even though it sounds a bit harsh as we read it, is a declaration of the fullness of His love. We even sang it the other week, didn't we? When we sang, "You know, Your love's too good to leave me here. Your love is too good to leave me here. It's too good just to let the the ravages of sin perpetuate uh, endlessly in my life." No, You're gonna You're gonna draw a line in my life, in the life of this city, in the life of this nation, in the life of this world. He draws a line because that's how much He loves us. And so I love this. Um, so what He's saying is that he is there was two hebrew words is that okay You're okay with hebrew conversational hebrew you have to <coughs> get ready for it no it's not really it's not one of those ones Um, it's uh the first one is hesed okay hesed say hesed and This is the love of God. Okay, and what we got to recognise is when, whenever Scripture underlines something and repeats it, it's like this is really important. So He says, "This is my name Yahweh, Yahweh, and I am hesed. I am love. I am compassion. I am you know fully for you." Um, also, this 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 word is linked to the, to the word emet. Say emet, emet. Um, and like Dr. Emmett Brown, I love Back to the Future, and he um, the <laughs> the this word literally means kind of the faithfulness. The uh, the uh, it's it's it means truth, yeah. So it's this kind of this constant thing. So the the love of God is hesed, and it is Emmett. Is, he is love, and He always will be. And um, not only that, do you know what? I, this is this is kind of my favorite bit. I love this that and um, you know when when john he he kind of takes john john writes his first his gospel in his first chapter of his gospel he puts this lens on his mate jesus that is nuts he literally takes his mains like look at look at jesus he is Pre-existent. Yeah. He, he was in the beginning. You know, he is pre-eminent that there's no one more, more kind of like powerful and nuts than he is. That he is the word that he was and he is and everything is made through him. Not only that, he's the new tabernacle. He's the new place where God chooses to dwell, where you can encounter him. He's the, the skenu, which is the, the Greek word that he uses for tent, but he's also the shekinah, the dwelling presence of God. And not only that, he comes full of grace. And truth. And this is just where the English has been translated from the Greek that's so been translated from the Hebrew, that He is full of Hesed and Emmin. Jesus is the embodiment of the Hesed of God. He is the embodiment of the Hesed of God. And John takes all of that and he wraps it up in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. That's why it's all about him. You want to see the Father look at Jesus. That's what it's all about him.
0: And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he's not dead in the ground anywhere, but he's alive. So we get to encounter him. We talk about that here a lot, don't we? How do we encounter this Jesus? And so um, we're just going to share some stories quickly about how we've encountered him. I know that you guys have got your own stories, and I'm excited about the stories we're going to see together as a community, as we gather around and we make our own home and we make a place for people to come and meet this Jesus. And so I want to tell you quickly a story. Um, We lived on a council estate for nearly 10 years. Um, I want to tell you about a story uh, of a girl that I met, and we're going to call her Katie. Katie was um, one of eight kids. Her dad had been perpetually in prison uh, since she was born, so he'd never lived at home. And um, I met her, and she was um, had a series of difficult things in her life, and she was very broken. And when we met her, she was a very withdrawn and uh, just very sad really and we spent time with her and it was amazing to see the kindness the hesed of God working in her life and she actually gave her life to Christ and she started this journey with Jesus and as we all know Journeys with Jesus are up and down. There's no straightforward thing, but there was an amazing moment that happened in her life and I just wanted to share. So we'd been taking, I'd been taking her to counselling every week. We'd been praying through a lot of issues with her. Um, She was self-harmed, so she self-harmed on her legs and her arms. And it was so bad that she had bandages on, she didn't want people to see it. A friend of ours had given her a prophecy saying, I see a picture of you in a white wedding dress with sleeves, with no sleeves on. And she was like, well, that can't be me because I'd never show my arms. And so um, she was on this journey. And uh, we were just at a youth event. We'd be doing it every month. And we just asked people to share stories of um, get words from Jesus just to see if there's anything he wanted to do that evening. And there was a number of different words. And one of the words was some young people said, I think that Jesus wants to come and heal scars and so all the words were given out and we asked all the people to stand up that felt that it was um, for them and I remember looking at Katie and kind of giving her a wink and she stood up and this is something that we'd done a lot for prayer for her so she had prayer that evening she went home she went to sleep when she woke up in the morning she looked down and all the scars on her legs had disappeared It's amazing yeah thank you Jesus amazing so we, we'd actually left for a mission um, for Africa that day. And so um, an, an amazing lady that went to Audacious had this a really brilliant idea and said, I don't think that God's finished with you yet. Let's pray again. So they prayed again. She went to sleep. The next day she woke up and all the scars on her arm had gone, which was incredible. So you can imagine this girl, her brain is like, Pfft. we're all like, um, uh, because this amazing thing had happened. And as I told that story um, about a year or so later at another event, as, uh, another teenager encountered the same thing that happened she went to sleep she woke up Jesus had healed her scars and in that situation the father was estranged from the family and it brought back reconciliation to the family and that family was then reconciled back into the church and um, through a number of things that had gone on and so for this girl that that happened she saw that Jesus was starting to explode all sorts of things in other people's lives as she had just seen him work in her life this incredible loving kindness of God and it's this thing isn't it? Once we see something, it becomes like illegal then to kind of discount it. So it becomes um, our ceiling becomes our floor. It's like the disciples, isn't it? When they fed the uh, 4,000 and then they were having a chat with Jesus later because they were in the boat and they didn't have any food. And Jesus is like, uh, why, do you realize, why do you reason you have no bread? And it's because they should have remembered, Oh, yeah, I was with this guy and he made loads of bread out of nothing. I'm still with him. And it's the same thing for us, isn't it? And I think if you're anything like me, I go around the, cerc- the cycles in my mind of trying to remember, oh, I need to remember that you are who you say you are. I have seen you do amazing things. Come on, Jesus, again. Do it again. Show me what you can do and, and show up in this situation.
1: Yeah, who's... Oh, sorry, love. Who's ever... um <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm just going to sort out the furniture. <laughs> Sorry, um, <laughs> I'm not accident prone at all. Um, who's ever had, uh, who's ever experienced God um, perform a miracle in your life, in a, in, a, in a in a way that is directly in your kind of circle, in your sphere, in your family, in your relationships? Anyway, just put your hand up. Just kind of look around the room while you put your hand up. Don't be don't be shy about it. There you go. I mean, there's 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 a room full of impossible that's real because of who God is. And we're, we're, we're a people of the impossible. We're a people of the miraculous power of God. We carry his story. We carry his narrative with us. And I, I, it makes me laugh. And I do it. I'm not, this isn't a judgmental thing. But how what, we can be giant, nonchalant chasms about the power of God sometimes, can't we? It's like, do you mean we hear a story about the incredible things? That he's, going, yeah, okay, great. that's a great story, mate. Yeah, yeah I love that story. It's a great story. Yeah, fantastic. You know, and we can just be like, floppy like what happened to your muscle memory because it's just like there's no there's nothing happening in us nothing happening in our heart um when we hear that god has just kind of healed somebody or done something or broken something out incredibly and i'm like but this is the this this is who we are you know this is what's the mark that's on our life that we we don't exist in the reality that uh, of this world we're actually designed for another world and that world is a dimension that is constantly colliding with this one that's constantly invading in this space um I just really believe that when God does stuff, we could tell you loads of stories, exciting stories. God's just beautiful, isn't he? And I think that if we had the time, we could go around this room and just share the stories of what God has done, even in this community, um, that will make our nose hair curl. I mean, it's just like phenomenal stuff. Um, it's true. You know you grow two metres of nose hair in your lifetime. It's True story. Um, the And I believe that as we as we experience these things and encounter God... What actually is happening is, what was impossible, the old ceiling becomes the new floor, and that's the place from where we stand. And and where I think, like Lucy mentioned about from Mark 8, where the disciples are like, oh, we got no bread, after they literally twice seen Jesus feed the multitudes, like, do you not remember? Do you know? Were well, you not there? You know, when I did that, and you're like, you know, running around going, oh no, Jeff forgot the bread, because Jeff is obviously the unspoken disciple that we all know and love. And um, the the key is i believe that we get to remember what he has done and be in a posture of remembrance in order that we can then step into the reality of who he is no longer just singing about him you know and and, and memorializing this god of creation but actually encountering him live today and in the moment because he's got stuff to do today um i just uh <laughs> yeah i i feel like we um God is doing something in this community, and I feel like some of the reason why um, there's just this kind of re, kind of gravitating towards the person of Jesus Christ is that this is the key to all this. Is not that we get these magic powers, you know? This isn't like Harry Potter or anything like that. Um, We actually, we actually, He's inviting us into a relationship. He's inviting us into a place of connection, Um, and I feel like that the some of the some of the tough um, part of that is that it's, it's all a bit messy. It is all a bit like it's just life. Um, it, it's just the promise was never that everything would be ama- amazing. The promise was never that was you're just going to get everything you want. It's just going to you know your, your wish list. Boom, done. You know the promise was you're going to be a community that's going to bless the nations. That's the promise. That's what we're part of. That's what we're part of. Um, But a key for us is learning what it looks like to posture ourselves in the middle of the story. So I believe that's where a lot of the really key miracles happen, actually.
0: So how do we do that? How do we remember the loving kindness of God and his faithfulness when we're in really difficult situations? When it's actually really hard, when we haven't seen the breakthrough that we wanted to see? How do we do that? And I think for us, one of the things that we've really held on to is trying to not make a case against God but make a case with God. And so actually bringing your hurt and your pain to Jesus and saying, I did not expect it to be like this. This is not what I thought it would be, but I'm looking for you to speak to me and to come and to step in. I remember um, I'd been circling around a really difficult situation for about a year. I hadn't even been able to journal with it. I was just, my emotions were really raging over it. And eventually I managed to pin myself down and go, okay, I need to start like, Processing some of this stuff, and I was just writing, and I remember worship music was on, and kids were in bed, Andy was out, and I was just writing, and I remember thinking I was writing things like I'm just misunderstood, they don't understand who I am, I'm just you know all this stuff and pain and things coming down, and um, I just remember the atmosphere in the room changing, and, I, and I've learned to go, is that you, Jesus? And I just felt like in the spirit, Jesus came and just stood next to the table. And I felt he even just put his hands out like that, and I could see the scars on his palms. And he just said to me, Lucy, these are my scars from being misunderstood, but they're my greatest victory. I, like, you know, and the pain and the the emotions that I was whirling around found their distilled station or whatever it is in Jesus. There was like a calm that came over it. And I could actually breathe again, and be like, okay, you know what it's like to be in this situation. And so actually I want to encourage you this morning that you know we are going to be a people that are pushing to see the amazing breakthroughs of Christ. We are pushing as a community to say we know who he is and we know what he can do and we're after him to come and do it. But we also want to be a community of people that say, What do we do? when we don't find the breakthrough or we feel like we're standing in the middle of the story. And we also want to say, it's always Jesus. Always go to him because he wants to speak to us in every season. He wants to find us in every season. And he's got the tools to carry us through every season.
1: There's a a poet and um, a writer. Um, Where is it? We have We've got it on an iPad. We've also got another piece of paper here and then another piece of paper here. It's awesome. Um, There it is. There's a (laughs) writer and poet, so slick, called Margaret Atwood. um, And she says, when you're in the middle of the story, it isn't a story at all, but only a confusion, a dark roaring, a blindness, a wreckage of shattered glass and splintered wood, like a house in a whirlwind or else a boat crushed by the icebergs or swept over by by the rapids. And all aboard are powerless to stop it. It's only afterwards that it becomes anything like a story at all when you are telling it to yourself or to somebody else. How many people feel like they're in the middle of a story right now? Yeah. In, that, in that space of the, 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 the splintered wood and the, and, the, and, the, and the broken glass. You can't move without feeling like you're just going to get damaged in that space. Um, I, I just really believe God's got some stuff for you guys this morning. Um when we, when we came here a few, a few months ago, um, and it is really only a few months ago, um, we were in a tough place, probably the, the hardest season we've ever had to go through. Um, some really good friends of ours were, were really hurt, and that really hurt us, and we felt like we needed to do something about it. And we found ourselves in the blankest canvas that we've ever experienced in our life. Um, I'd resigned from my job and um, had no real clue what was happening next. And you guys, I really want to honor you. You guys created an environment where we didn't have to work out how to fit in. You know, We didn't have to kind of meet a requirement to come and stand with you. Um, but you created an environment that um, where we genuinely felt the permission just to belong. And I just want to honor you and thank you for that. I can't tell you how much that has meant to us. And... Um, I can't tell you how much healing has come, even just from from that standard thing. But how, and how Phil and Sarah and the team here and you guys have just actually made that space for us to belong. So thank you, genuinely, thank you so much. Um, I believe that um, um, what was happening in that and in that season was we were, we were given the space to worship. We were given the space to experience Jesus, who He is, in the middle of the story before there was any sense of what the heck was going to happen next. Uh, there's a beautiful Hebrew word, called, called, Hebrew word called Tada. Say Tada to the jazz hands. Um, jazz hands are very important, um, or spirit fingers, whichever one you want to do is is totally fine. Um, uh, the word Tada literally means to, to kind of stoop and to bow and to extend your hand in worship and to choose to worship before you've had your breakthrough, regardless of the circumstance. I would choose to worship. And it felt like you guys created a space where that was possible, um, which I think is one of the most beautiful miracles ever. Is the peace in the middle of the storm, and I'm, I believe God's wanting to release that peace over us this morning. Because when we pray, we don't pray out of fear, we don't pray out of lack, we don't pray out of scarcity, or even like an orphan spirit. We don't pray out of a place of like oh, I don't belong. Or, I don't, you know, it's not like we are outside of the house banging on the windows and banging on the doors, hoping that somebody's going to listen. Jesus welcomes us in and he invites us into a place of relationship, a place of encounter. And it's from that place of being with him, literally holding onto his hand, sometimes for grim death, that we get to pray out of the context of his hesed, his love that lasts forever, that is consistent, that is true. That's where we pray from. So whether you've got financial issues whether it's this, whatever the the kind of the, the the shattered glass and the splintered wood looks for you this morning, there's a space for us today to posture ourselves in that tada, in order to encounter Jesus, to hear His word, to find the space of obedience in it and out from it. There's so many of the miracles that I've seen in the communities that I've been part of have been because there's been a time of listening. It's been a time of articulation. This is why this, this is what we think God might be doing. And then there's been a space of obedience. And that looked like oh, a ton of different stuff. It looked like bringing a little old lady and standing where we felt an angel was for healing. Um, and before we even get a chance to pray, God just opened up our ears. God just opened up ears. It looked like miraculous financial provision, just more than we can ask or imagine. And not just like a bunch of flowers, you know, Jesus doing stuff. It was like a community energized into generosity. We were finding money in it in coffee jars, in gig bags. We were finding money in Bibles. We were finding, it was just ridiculous. It was tax rebates and all kinds of stuff happening. Tens of thousands of pounds dropped into the community over the course of seven days because we heard Jesus say, dance on your debts. So we did. We felt like idiots. But we danced on it. We got all the red letters. We got all the credit cards. We got all the stuff. People just writing out figures of numbers that they needed. We put them in a pile at the front of the church and we were all dancing on like this. <laughs> The next week, we said, right, I'm going to do testimony. I'm going to do testimony. And absolutely brick in it, thinking, what if nothing happens? And tens of thousands of pounds are released. Some people exactly double. Exactly double. Isn't that beautiful? God just loves us. He loves collaborating with us. You know, he's he's actually never done, since creation, he's never done anything without collaborating with us. Isn't that nuts? So, sorry, I didn't mean saying that. Um, We really want to create a space for us to encounter now. And we're just going to use the rest of the time, if that's okay. To do that, and I really want to encourage you just to lean into that tada space. God has got something for us, He's got a, a, a place for us to encounter Him, even in the middle of the story. You know, when the Israelites were about to cross into the promised land and they were standing at the River Jordan in the season of the flood, God backed up the river, and He'd already started doing that. And as they stepped out, they stepped into dry land to pass into the promise. The presence of God had led them all the way through the wilderness, out into that place of promise. He always leads us. The presence of God always leads the people of God to the promises of God. That's why we go after his presence, because we're hungry for the promises of God in this place. But he, as they stepped in, there was dry land, because he'd already done the upstream miracle. And I'm believing for us this morning that some people who are like, you yeah, in that place, like flipping, just feels like the season of flood. He's already done the upstream miracle. It's already happened, and we just need to step out. Um, so yeah. Lucy's just gonna lead us through a space for that.